Well, it is so good to be with all of you. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tommy and I'm one of the pastors here at Joy. I'd like to take a moment to welcome those of you who are joining us online and say thank you to all of you for joining us live right here in St. Cloud. Today we're continuing our series called Good Will Toward. And a few months ago, I had a student come up to me on a Wednesday night and asked me a question. She said, how did you impact others today? Now, I get a lot of questions from people, a lot of questions from students, but this question I was not prepared for. In no stretch of the imagination, it is almost as if I forgot the English language. I had nothing to say. Nothing was coming out. I couldn't even say, um. Um, My mind stopped functioning how I like it to function. And I became confused. I... I did have a perception that eternity was passing in these few moments, like, oh my gosh, you need to come up with something here. You have a student asking you, how did you impact others today? And you got nothing. This is a problem. So I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, a thought came to me that earlier in the day, I was at the Walmart, which is a place I typically go to, and there was a lady that was struggling to get something off of the top shelf. Have any of you ever been there? Maybe some guys have even been there as well. And I saw the lady that was in need and said, hey, can I help you? And sure. And it seems like something she would probably say, no, 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 I got it. No, you don't. So I, I grabbed it for her, gave it. She's like, hey, thank you very much. And so I shared this story with the student and she was like, okay, great. And then she went on her way. Oh. (laughs) A few weeks later, that same student comes up to me again and asks the same question. How did you impact others today? And I had a similar response as in, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. The problem is I didn't have anything to share. I didn't have anything to say. Even though I tried very hard and my mind was functioning very well, I had zero things to tell her. Now, that doesn't mean that I woke up that day and just decided to be a jerk to everyone. I made sure that Angela and my kids knew that I loved them. I made sure that as I went throughout the day, I was kind and friendly and I interacted well with everyone that I came in contact with. I worked hard. I prepared things for a Wednesday night. I did all of the things that I would normally do, but there wasn't one single instance where my goodwill towards men went outside of my routine or outside of my box to help someone, and I didn't quite know what to do with that. Now, it is possible that some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, Tommy, how is that possible? You're a pastor. (laughs) You're in charge of helping other people. You're in charge of encouraging people to help other people. How could you go through a day and not help anyone? Now, I completely get it. I completely get it, but here's the thing. The problem isn't that I went through one day not coming up with a story of how I helped someone. The problem is I think I have more days like that than I would ever care to admit. It's not an anomaly even though I wish it was. It's something that I probably have happen on a regular basis and something I just decide to disregard because after all, I'm a pretty decent person. 
Now, before you start pointing the finger and all that type of stuff, and I get it, I'll welcome that, chances are many of you are a lot like me. Many of you are a lot like me. Now, waking up in the morning and taking the dog out, that's a good thing. Doing the dishes is a good thing. Making the bed's a good thing. You know, helping the neighbor with mail maybe is a good thing. Helping them shovel out some snow is great. Maybe uh, you put a cart in the cart corral. I don't understand why people don't put their carts back in the cart corral. Have you ever found a spot close in the Walmart parking lot and there's a cart right in the middle of it? And then it's like, hey, honey, can you jump out and go get... No, no, no. (laughs) No, no, no. No, don't do that. So maybe you put a cart back in the cart corral. You've done some things. You're a good person. Maybe you left a tip. But, but here's something I want you to understand. People that don't know Jesus do all of that stuff too. We tend to think as Christians, we're the only ones that leave a tip. Some waitresses and those of you that maybe uh, have lived in that lifestyle, lifestyle, <laughs> sorry, Yes, occupation would probably testify that people that claim to be Christians are probably worse tippers. We like to think, oh, I helped out my neighbor. Man, that was a great Christian act. That was goodwill towards men. But the person down the street did the same exact thing and they don't even love God. I want us to be known, and Pastor Brian shared this last week, not for the things that we say to others, but for the things that we do for other people. Pastor Brian shared that as Christians, we need to be not dead ends to the goodness and grace and love that God has given us. When God does something special in our lives, it shouldn't end there. In many ways, that's where it should start, right? That's where it should start. It should come to us and then we freely give that to others. That's what good will toward others is all about. But sometimes we have those anomaly type days. Those days where we just go by and, well, we were a pretty good person. But maybe nobody was impacted that day. There's a verse in Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 13, that says this, And do not forget to do good and share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I'll read that again. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So, how is God pleased? Go ahead and tell me. How is God pleased? For doing good and what? And sharing with others. Very good. Doing good and sharing with others. That's how God is pleased. I believe we have confused doing good with being good. We've confused the two. We wake up in the day, we feel like, well, I'm going to be good today. Great. You know, chances are we've probably gone through several days without lying. 
Chances are we've gone several days without killing anyone. We've gone several days without cheating, gone several days without stealing. We've gone several days just being a good mate to our spouse or being a good parent, being a good employee, being a good child. And life is good. We're being good, but we're not called to be good. We're called to do good. And we hang our hats on this idea that I did good today. Great. Or I was good today. Great. Well, you need to do good. I thought about this moment in the movie E.T. Some of you don't maybe remember this or maybe you aren't aware of a movie called E.T. But E.T. is standing in front of Elliot and what does he say? He says, be good. Remember and his, his fingers lighten up? Be good. And Elliot's just standing. <gasps> our God, our God said, do good. Do good. May we be known for the things that we do for others. Not for just being good. Anyone could be good. There's people that don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't kill anyone, not because of anything God has told them. They just don't think that's a good thing to do. But as believers in Christ, sometimes we're like, we hang our hats on that stuff when really there's a whole nother ball game to go to. The being good is kind of like the, the standard. This is like, like, don't drop below the standard. Just be good. Great. Well, if you want to elevate that, start doing good. You want to challenge your spiritual development within yourself? Look for ways to start doing good. You'll be amazed at the opportunities that come and you'll be amazed at how resistant sometimes you are to them. That's where we get to exercise our spiritual muscles. Doing good, that's what goodwill is all about. There's a verse that Pastor Brian read last week in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. He said, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I don't know a pastor or a leader of any organization that wouldn't want this to be true of the places that they're involved in. And God added to their number each day those who were being saved. Wow, that would be amazing. I actually think there's plenty of people that pray this prayer all the time. Lord, add, add, add people, add people. Grow this church, grow this ministry, grow this place. Do all of these different things. But I wonder how many places are actually experiencing what it is that they're praying to God for. We're praying the prayer so maybe it's not so much about the prayer. We, we get excited about this result, but unwilling to go through the process to get there. We get excited about this idea of, oh God, add to, add to this place, add to this place those who are being saved. Do all of these great things, and yet God is saying, there's a process I need you to go through first. 
I hear you and I want to answer your prayer. Guess what? I'm faithful to answer that prayer, but there's something I need you to do on your part first. We don't like that so much. That's not so much fun. So if we go back a few verses before, we start to see the recipe as to how this could end up happening. In Acts 2.42, it says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They committed themselves to fellowshipping with one another. They then shared things together. They shared meals together, including the Lord's Supper, which is a fancy way of saying communion. And then they prayed. We sometimes get this order all mixed up. Maybe you're with me here where you've said a prayer. Lord, please, please do this. And if you do this, I will. Have any of you ever, ever prayed this before? Okay, all right, some, some honest folks. Lord, if you were to just, this is the only thing I'm ever going to ask. Have you ever, ever been there? We almost think we're the only ones that have ever played this game with God before. If you would just, then I will. And God is standing back thinking to myself, no, I think you're supposed to be devoted to me regardless of what happens with the prayer. How about you're devoted with me first? How about we start there and then your devotion to me will lead to you then fellowshipping with one another, hanging out with people, doing good things with other people and then sharing from the things that you have. And it says, including taking the Lord's Supper. Now, I find it interesting when we talk about communion. We're not taking communion today. But when we talk about communion, there's, there's a certain principle where if you have any wrong against another person, you are supposed to go and take care of that first. In fact, there's many churches, I've never experienced this personally, but I know of it happening where you're, in the middle of a communion type service and someone will get up from where they're sitting to go over to a person that they have with and they will make that right and then go back to receiving the Lord's Supper communion and things of that nature. What is this principle about? Why would they do that? Because they understand if they have something against a brother or a sister in Christ, that is gonna hinder God's ability to answer the prayers that they have. This isn't some far-off teaching weird thought that Tommy had at 2 in the morning today. This is real. That is how this works. If you have something against another person, that's going to hinder God's ability to work in your life. Not his desire. Not his desire. But his ability to work in your life because that kind of cuts it off. So you have something wrong with another person. You go and make that right. And then you, by a result, you make yourself right with God. And now you pray. Now you pray. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Tommy, I've, I've seen God answer prayers for people that 
maybe aren't Christians, maybe aren't believers, and you're absolutely right. This is to the believer. This process is to the believer. The believers devoted themselves. Do you see it? All the believers devoted themselves. God answers prayer all the time. You'd think, well, what's the motivation for being a Christian? Now that I'm a believer, I gotta go through this whole process. It's to your benefit. It's to your benefit. You want God to do some miracles and some great things in your life? Be willing to go through this process to see those things happen. God is not someone to just go to whenever you feel like you need someone and expect that God's just going to show up for you. God is about relationship. He's about relationship. And your connection with him will overflow to your connections with other people. And eventually, those connections will lead to you sharing things and doing life together and God will answer your prayers. I'll prove it to you. The next verse, it says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So they devote themselves to God. They commit to hanging out with each other. They're then sharing things with each other. They pray, and then God does miraculous things. It's not that hard to see. But it isn't that easy to do. It isn't that easy to do. If you're looking for God to do something significant in your life, and I believe many, 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 many of you are, this is the recipe. This is the recipe. Be willing to go through it. The scripture continues, it says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, doesn't that sound like some glorious, awesome place to be? Everyone is kumbayaing, oh, if anyone has a need, it's like, oh, that's okay, I'll sell my motorcycle and I will help you out, I can't drive it in the winter anyway, oh. Oh, you lost your house, that's fine, I have a cabin I don't need, you can just have it. Man, life is really, really good for the people that are in need. Manning, the, man, the have-nots, wow, they have it made. This is like, oh, 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 look, look, I don't have this, I don't have that. And then the haves, they just sell off their possessions and all their different things to help the have-nots, so then the have-nots become a have. Sounds great for the have-nots, but not so good for the haves. Now, I understand the thinking but I think the perspective is wrong. The body of Christ is filled with some of the most needy people you will ever see in your life. There's needy people that need to give somewhere. Believe it or not, there are people that go around trying to find ways to bless other people. 
There are people that look for ways to be a blessing to others. They have a need to give. They have something they want to give, but they don't know where to distribute it, what to do with it. It's a special gift and a calling God's placed on their life. I need to do something for others. Where can I go about doing this? There's other people that have a need to receive. And I want you to understand something. If you're only thinking about money here, you're already off base. You're already off base. If this is only a financial thing, you're you're only seeing things from this perspective. There are people that love to love on others and love to make them feel value and feel of worth. And that doesn't change by just giving someone money. There's plenty of people that have money that feel like they're nothing. That they're nothing. So you have people that need to give and you have people that need to receive and both of those needs end up getting met in this portion of scripture. And this isn't something that, that the writer in Acts is saying, here's what I want you to do. This is something they already were doing. This was written, this was written after all of this is taking place. Let me describe the early church to you. There were people that got together and they shared things and they loved on each other. And if someone was in need, those that had things would sell possessions, sell, sell off different things to help them out. And then everyone is just loving on each other and living well together. This is an amazing thing. And some of us in today's culture think that is unbelievable. It's not even possible. And I want to let you know I've lived it. I've personally lived it. When I was a young boy, my parents bought a car for a family from the church. Bought a car, did I say from or for? Sorry. Bought a car for a family in the church. Now, my family was not rich. I did always have food on the table and I managed to always have nice shoes but we weren't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. But my parents bought a car for a family that was in need. Now, this is an amazing thing, but I want to let you know this doesn't happen without relationship. How do do people that that have a need to give and how, how do people that have a need to receive come together? They come together through relationship. My parents just didn't go out and buy a car for someone they didn't know or didn't care about or didn't have any connection with. No, they had an ability at that time to do something special and they knew of someone in the church that they're close with that had a very real need and as a result, that need got met. And not just that need, my parents' desire to want to do something special for them also got met. Now, That connection and relationship doesn't start and doesn't end there. These people came over to our house all the time. My parents, you were watching online, you would remember this. When that family would go to leave our house, 
We would stand in a circle in the living room and pray together. And this time lasted probably at least an hour. And I'm not saying it was all like, all praying. We were laughing. People were falling on the ground laughing. My dad's praying and then, he's, then he tells a joke and everyone loses it. And then we come back together and we'd pray. And we were together in this circle. We were together in this relationship. And as a result, needs got met. There was good will towards one another. And it wasn't good will towards all of the people out here. It was good will towards the people in here. I potentially will get into it later. But the church has focused all of their goodwill on trying to reach the needs of the community while leaving the needs of the people sitting across the aisle unmet. And I want to be careful about this because we're, we're talking about trauma bags. We're talking about doing different things, reaching our community. And all of those things are wonderful and I'm never going to take anything away from it. But please, please, please don't, don't put yourself in a place where you're willing to get four trauma bags and not help the person across the aisle from you by just saying hello. In a meeting this last week, I believe it was Pastor Brian shared that there was a family that recently came here to Joy and they said this is the first church they visited in this, this area. They're looking for a home church. It's the first place they visited in this area where people said hello and hi to them beyond the front doors. So there's a responsibility that the connections team wears here that, and I love and appreciate them so much that when people come through the doors, hi, how are you? It's good to see you. Great to see you. Thanks for being here. And then people go on their way. How many of you had someone greet you? Hopefully all of you should raise your hands. Okay, all right. Thank you. The difference is that greeting didn't stop. People were genuinely cared for here. People wanted to know how they were doing and greeted them and beyond the connections team, okay? So needs were being met here by a simple, hello, how are you doing? So the church had goodwill towards one another and amazing things were taking place. Needs were being met. The need to give and the need to receive. And I want to let you know, if you spend too much time on either side of that equation, you're going to become out of balance. Don't think your sole purpose here in this congregation or the body of Christ in general is just for you to give. You need to receive as well. And those of you that are in a place of needing to receive, I want to caution you, you're not always going to be there. God's going to do amazing, awesome things in your life and provide for you in ways that you would have never expected, not so you could just hoard it all in and be a dead end to the blessings that God has brought to you that Pastor Brian shared about last week. And so then you can give to other people. There is so much, there's a so much greater privilege and honor of giving than it is to receive. And that's something that God, I believe, wants all of us to experience, and it isn't just about money. I've had some recent conversations with 
some people here at Joy that they got, they got it all together. Looking at them from the out, outward ex, externally, they don't need anything. They're completely independent and they are fine. They're awesome, doing great, doing well. And they broke crying in front of me. I wasn't anticipating it. But you know what it, it, it revealed to me? Everyone needs something. Everyone needs something. If you're here today, I want you to know you need something. And if you're here today, I want you to know you can give something. I was thinking about it as service was starting today. Don't find yourself in a place where you feel like you don't need anything and you also don't have anything to give. That, that's dead weight. Personally, in my opinion, I would rather you be at a place where you feel like you need to receive something than feel like, I'm good. I don't need anything. I'm good. I don't feel led to give, any, give, give to anyone. I'm good. And again, this isn't about money. Chris, I love and appreciate every single time you seek me out and you come to talk to me. You razz me, <laughs> you pick on me, but I love that. And if I didn't have that, there, there would be a missing spot in my life. <laughs> For those of you online, Chris said he would love to increase that. <laughs> That is the value of relationship. This isn't some Disney, Disneyland place that we talk about that isn't possible. These are things that the early church did that somehow the modern church, I believe, has forgotten. Give, share, let your goodwill be known to the people that are sitting on the road next to you and God will do some amazing things. In Acts 2.46, we're continuing on. It says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but this thought hit me. The people that I am the closest to at joy, I have been to all of their homes. I've hung out with them. I've spent time with their families. I've sat on their couches, played games with them, hung out in their backyards, had food. I've been to all of their houses. Now, you might think to yourself, well, Tommy, sure, you were close to them because you went over to their house and, and you know, blah, 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 blah. No, because I went over to their house, I became close to them. At one point, we're all strangers, but because there was a desire to say, I'm going to welcome you into my home, something special ended up happening. Where you get to see people in their own space. Not see how they live like, oh, wow, they're living pretty good. Oh. But just doing life with each other. When you get to do life with each other outside of this place, which trust me, I'm a very big advocate for being here, but when you get to do life with each other outside of this place, you'll get to see relationships grow 
like never before. But Tommy, it's so much work. Do you know how much work it is to just get together with family? And you want us to get together with... You have schedules, you have kids, you have house cleaning, you have all of these different things that you need to do. Blah, 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 blah. Do you think the, the pain is not worth the reward? Getting together with other people is one of the greatest things God has instituted in the capital C church. And we're encouraged to do it with one another. Let's take them up on the idea. Let's take them up on the idea. In Acts 2.47, it says, All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. When people are getting together, and showing goodwill towards one another. That becomes contagious. That becomes contagious. Where I want to be a part of some place like that. I would like to be a part of a network of people that does things of that nature, that truly care for one another. I want to be doing something like that. And the key here is they did it with joy in their hearts. They did it with a level of excitement within them. They loved doing this type of thing. It's not that they had to. They want to. When people come to Angela and I and they say, hey, we're thinking about having you over, I say, great, tell us a time. Give us a time. And we'll be there. Why? Because I understand the value of being together like that of doing things of that nature with each other, of sharing our goodwill with one another. And the more we share our goodwill with one another, the more goodwill we'll have from people outside of here. They'll look and they'll say, huh, huh, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, I could partake in some of that as well. There's one more Bible verse I want to read and then I'll close with a story. It says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. That includes the ones at the Walmart. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There's people that come to church that are hurting. They should leave here being an overcomer. I pray many times on a Wednesday night that people will leave differently than how they came. We have adult team members that show, show up tired and worn out from a hard day's work. Some of them waking up at three something in the morning and then working all day and then coming to serve teenagers at night. And sometimes they come tired. But you know what I've experienced? They leave energized. It's a visible thing that I can see. And we want that for everyone. When you come here, we want you to leave differently because you received something here.
because you received something here. Sometimes you'll be the person that's giving. Sometimes you'll be the person that's receiving. And both of those have benefits to it. This last week, Angela and Jordan were at the Walmart and they were looking for some taco sauce for me and the taco sauce was all gone. I don't know what happens with the taco sauce. It just seems like everybody loves tacos right now, but the taco sauce is all gone. It's like, let me have my Ortega taco sauce, please. It's a supply line. <laughs> yes, it's a supply line. So Angela and Jordan are looking and they see that there is a taco sauce containers on the top shelf. Well, Angela and Jordan are the, are the two shortest people now in our family. They don't have a chance at reaching the taco sauce. So there is a young, oh, actually I don't know if he was a young man, but there was a taller man that was in the aisle that Angela and Jordan got the attention of. They're like, can, can, you, can you reach that for me? The guy's like, no. I'm, I'm totally kidding, okay. The guy, was like, the guy was like, okay. So he reaches up and he grabs a taco sauce for them and then they all go on their way. So Angela comes home and, and she's telling me about this story and she says, honey, it's so interesting to me. You see, you do this for other people. And now they did it for your family. You do this for them, but now someone did it for us. And I'm standing at home, groceries all over the place, and I'm thinking to myself, praise God, that's how the church of Christ is supposed to work. That's how goodwill towards each other is supposed to work. You give and at some point, you will receive. You receive, and at some point, you will give. Don't hinder that. Don't hinder that. I got one more story. This involves French fries. So we have an air fryer at home, and we love using the air fryer. French fries, chicken, all kinds of stuff. It's great. So Tristan and I, my oldest son, were having French fries the other day. He's on one end of the table. I'm on the side of the table. He was actually sitting in my spot. You remember that? So it's amazing how old school and traditional I am. So we're having fries, and when I have fries, I have three sauces. I have a buffalo sauce, a barbecue sauce, and a ranch. And every fry gets all three sauces. All three of them. And eventually, all of the sauce becomes this beautiful color that Bob Ross always puts on his paintings. Well, this last time, I would have overcompensated on the amount of sauce. I had more sauce than I had fries. And I'm sitting here looking at my plate thinking, what am I supposed to do now? I'm not going to make more fries. But I got all this sauce and I'm not going to just throw it away and I can't like put it in a special dad container. Like this is, this is not right. And I look over at my son who's sitting in my spot and he's got a whole plate full of fries. I'm sitting in my chair like, and all of a sudden my son says something to me he has never said before. 
he goes, Dad, I can't finish my fries. <laughs> Great, I got an idea. <laughs> I know someone that could use the fries. I actually ended up getting more sauce. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. There's always people in need. Need to give or a need to receive. And both people need to exercise a heart of humility in doing that. For those of you that give to others, you need to know how hard it is for some people to receive that. A family that's hurting financially, just walking up to them and just giving them $500 for them to have a better Christmas can be difficult for them to receive even though that's something they need. That's why the heart is so important. And that's why it always comes back to relationship. It always comes back to relationship. There are people you know that just need to hear that you're praying for them. That's all. That's all. I'm praying for you. Great. That's it. And that'll mean the world to them. There's some people that need you to razz them. That's how the body of Christ works. That's how goodwill works. So I got a question for you. How are you going to impact others? How are you going to impact others? The others can be outside of Joy Christian Center. Some of you will grab a trauma bag today. Some of you have already grabbed a trauma bag and you're like, oh yes, I grabbed one last week. Please bring it back filled. Some of you might grab a Royal Rangers calendar. Praise God, you're gonna help support that ministry. Some of you are gonna have someone at work that, that you can inspire and help and encourage and praise God, that's awesome. But do not, do not forget about the person that's sitting across the aisle from you. Do not forget about the person that we've called to love. Again, what does that verse in Galatians say? As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are in the family of believers. Let's pray. Lord, there are those that are here They would love to be a part of the community of believers. They're ready to give, ready to receive. But first of all, Lord, they need to make it right with you. Before they devote themselves to us, they need to devote themselves to you. If 
you're here today and you know that's something that you need to do, I'd encourage you to do that and just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I need to devote myself to you. I need you to be my Lord and Savior. And I need you to forgive me of the wrong that I've done and help me to do good. Not just be good, but help me to do good. In your glorious and holy name, amen. And if you're here today and you needed to say that prayer, and you've said that prayer, I encourage you to let someone know to talk to the Connections team or come to me or one of the pastors and let us know because we want to encourage you on that walk. There's others of you here today, you need to re-devote yourself to God. Lord, there's those of us that need to commit to hanging out with one another, sharing with one another, And Lord, by doing all of these things and showing goodwill towards one another, we're going to see our prayers answered. We're going to see you do amazing things. We're going to see you fill this place up because you are going to add daily to this place those who are being saved. God, generosity was your idea. Goodwill was your idea. You gave to us first. Help us not only to give to you in return, but to give to others. Lord, expand our thought process and how we can be a blessing to other people. And Lord, those that are here today that, man, they need something, God, I pray that they would receive it today. They would receive it from the body of Christ, from the people that follow you. Lord, I thank you for your power that's at work for, in, and through each and every one of us in your glorious and holy name. Amen. If you could please stand with me and repeat after me. We are a family church teaching people to reach their world. Thank you so much for being here, and we will see you next week for Goodwill Toward Part 3.